Welcome to Top of the Game with Javier Sade, where we talk to amazing people that are shaping the world. These lightning round talks explore what makes remarkable leaders tick. Thinkers and doers pushing humankind forward and at the top of their games. Impactful insights, global perspectives, valuable wisdom you can use every day in your life and work. This is Top of the Game. Enjoy today's episode. Here's Javier. Welcome, everyone. Today, Luis Ubiñas. Let's get to it. The story of Luis Ubiñas has very humble beginnings in the South Bronx and for decades has been at the top of the game. A world-class leader with wide-ranging experiences across media, technology, business, government, and international affairs. He is someone I have known for many years and is a remarkable human being. He currently serves on the board of directors of AT&T, Electronic Arts, and Tango Outlets. He has served on many corporate and nonprofit boards and today is chairman of the board of the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island Foundation and a member of the board of the New York Public Library. If that is not enough, Luis was president of the Ford Foundation and a White House appointee in roles dealing with the commerce and trade policy of the United States. His foundational years were spent in McKinsey, where he rose to senior partner and led the firm's West Coast practice. He holds a bachelor's and an MBA from Harvard. I happened to share a few things with him. We're both Puerto Rican, NYC, HBS, McKinsey, a board, and we serve the same president. Here's my conversation with Luis. So Luis, great to have you. How are you? I'm great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So we're going to do this pretty fast. Um, and your background and life is just so remarkable. Uh, we're going to start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Where do you live now? Uh, I grew up in New York City and um, now uh, in the 60s and 70s, uh, when it was kind of a crazy place. And now I live in southern Vermont, where it almost never seems to be at all crazy. Yeah, New York City and Vermont are pretty close geographically, but very different places. Let's kind of stay stay back in your kind of your the early years. What was your first job, and what did you learn in that job? What was the biggest thing you learned in that job? You know, my first job was for a political campaign for someone running for Bronx Borough President. I was. Uh, probably 16 or 17, I had just become legal for me to work and had gotten my working papers. And so I was allowed to work. And um, uh, at the campaign, I realized that reliability made a huge difference. Um, the campaign was filled with unreliability. Being reliable, even as a 16-year-old, meant that I got more and more responsibility and um, became more and more relevant. Just showing up on time all the time, doing exactly what I was asked to do, and making sure that those things were done as well as I could do them. That foundational premise of reliability <clears throat> obviously has served you well in your entire career. Um, so let's kind of fast forward to today. You have a portfolio of incredible things in your plate. What is your... What is the favorite thing of your current jobs, I guess, plural, uh, and why? You know, the thing I love most in everything I do now are the people I do it with. I, I am doing things with, you know, CEOs who are transforming companies and um, uh, changing the trajectory of those companies. I'm working with nonprofit executives who are rebuilding museums and changing what millions of people a year see and experience in those museums. And so, so for me, when I ask myself, why am I doing this? 
um, I always ask two simple questions. Is what I'm doing making a big difference? Is what I'm doing in a place that cares about um, being a positive force in its industry, its, in society? And are the people I'm doing it with outstanding people, people who I want to be with and people who are exceptional at what they do? And I have the deep privilege of being universally now working with people who and places and meet that standard. Talk about touching lives. Uh, I know you chair the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island uh, nonprofit, which obviously touches all of us at a very foundational level uh, at the country. So let's stay with leadership for a second um, from the gut. What three words come to mind when you think about leadership? Three words. Um, listening, courage, and consistency. Listening because um, no good leader can get anywhere without learning. And the key to learning is listening. Listening to the countless constituencies um, that know, uh, that just simply know. The second, courage, because to make the right decision in a world where there are many opinions, in a world where sometimes the opinions and the facts differ, um, it requires courage because uh, all hard decisions <clears throat> um, have people who are against them. And organizations almost always need hard decisions in order to make progress, to, in order to remain relevant. And, and then last is consistency. People need to know how you make decisions. They may not like it or they may love it. It's inconsistency that people know what to expect next. And out of that expect expectation comes um, their ability to understand what's happening, their ability to grow comfortable, their ability to be supportive of change, even if it's change that makes them uncomfortable. Reliability, earlier you mentioned, now consistency. Um, and the next question I'm going to ask you, I'm assuming you're going to use some of those words, descriptive words to answer this question, which is a few people you most admire, maybe one person um, and why, and it could be from any walk of life, doesn't have to be business, doesn't, you know, whatever, um, just mm -hmm. who do you like, you know, maybe as a kid you had on a pedestal, you still have on a pedestal, um, just generally. <laughs> So, you know, it's funny, I, I admire many people because I've learned so much from so many people. But I'll tell you the person who undoubtedly doesn't even remember this moment, who I met only in passing many, many years ago, decades ago. I was uh, young, I was in my early 20s, and I was presenting to this very, very senior executive at a company called Paul Montrone three-year, 24-year-old, 22-year-old uh, sitting in a meeting, and the partner at the meeting asked me unexpectedly to make the presentation uh, to this, this leader who built a company who I read about in magazines. And I was monumentally nervous, as you'd expect, given that I was um, just out of college. Yep. And Paul Montrone, who undoubtedly does not remember me, after I finished the first page, turned to me and said, you know, you shouldn't be nervous. You know more about this than anybody else in this room. And I already trust that you've done a good job. And so I want you um, 
to know that I'm just waiting to hear you. And that's what I'm doing here. So don't be nervous. That was my first presentation, the first time I'd ever presented to, you know, someone important. And it was a powerful message for me and something that I've held near and dear and something I've admired my whole life and tried to replicate. And it taught me a few things. First of all, it taught me to listen to someone, even if they're 22 years old, incredibly nervous and giving their first presentation. Uh, the second thing, it, it, it showed me to have empathy for that person because that person um, doesn't know me and thinks of me as perhaps um, the kind of person he should be nervous with or she should be nervous with. He put it in different words, but that was his message. And I've been calm in presentations ever since that moment. So just yesterday, as I began with, I was walking uh, through the garden and thinking about Paul Montrone, who nearly 40 years ago, but to this day has my deep admiration. These fleeting moments, uh, <laughs> really, at the moment, you don't really, un you don't really see what impact they're going to have going forward. Uh, and it's only in retrospect that one can connect the dots, right? It's, you can't really connect the dots looking forward. It's looking backward. And I can take a guess when that was. I think that was when you were a baby in McKinsey. You ended up rising to the top of the firm. Um, so we, sh we share that in common. I know how what pressure cooker those things are. And it's incredible that you gather this. Um, uh, I like to close, I have to say, I have so many more questions, uh, but these shows are bite-sized, quick insights into amazing people that shape the world. And hopefully I can have you back again uh, for a much longer conversation. But I'd like to end the shows with like a pretty mundane question, but it really, it really kind of uh, paints the picture uh, of the person. And, uh, here's a question. Are you ready? Yep. <laughs> it's really three questions, but you can answer any one of them. What's your mm -hmm. favorite song, book, movie? You know, I just saw Oppenheimer last week and, uh, I hadn't been to a movie in forever. Um, and so I finally went to a movie. It was an astonishing movie and it had one moment in it that's really stayed with me. There's this moment where the scientists that are working together to build the atomic bomb, I have this argument and one of the scientists says, uh, I want to work on my own thing. And they uh, were a little disrespectful to him about his own thing. Mm -hmm. And then he decided to quit and leave. I'm creating a hubbub and in some ways a distraction. Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer could have let him leave and he could have gone on to do his own work. Instead, Oppenheimer did something incredible and powerful and modest. He ran after him. He left the meeting. He left his meeting and ran after him <clears throat> and said, I don't want you to leave. In fact, I'm not even going to let you leave because you're too valuable to me, mm -hmm. making himself vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> what you're working on is important, making it clear that he'd listened. And I want you to stay here and just work on your own thing. And in fact, I will sacrifice, I will sacrifice my own time and meet with you every week to discuss your work. There is a powerful lesson in leadership in that moment. It's easy to forget in the movie, but the lesson in leadership 
the humility, the listening, the flexibility, the self-sacrifice that that one scene had really stayed with me. It was a, it was a, a, a great movie, and that moment was a great moment. Doesn't surprise me that a great human being likes movies about great human beings, and you picked the Chris Nolan franchise, so great pick. Uh, on that note, Luis, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, I hope um, you continue to do what you always done, and uh, more people than you know appreciate you. So thank you so much for being a guest. It's, it's my pleasure, and I wish you luck with all of these podcasts, and I hope um, folks benefit from your efforts. Have, have a good afternoon. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. For information and links about today's guests, check out the show notes and visit topofthegame-thepod.com. Your host, Javier Sade, the show Top of the Game. Thanks for listening.